0: there friends and neighbors welcome to the dark dreams and troubled souls podcast where i read my creepy stories just for you today's story is carnival are you ready here we go a carnival has set up at the edge of the mooresville town border at the center of a cornfield that failed to thrive in the heat and drought this summer my best friend Lindsay leads me by my hand She says, you know, you could have cleaned up a little for the occasion. There might be cute guys there. You could have found a date. The trail through the field is well worn, as if the carnival has been here for years. No one knows where it came from, but we go anyway, drawn by the promise of a temporary reprieve from our gray lives. Through the dark, in a line with other people from town, Lindsay and I file down the trail amid the glow of fireflies and songs of crickets. Then we are bathing in the warmth of legions of light bulbs, the smells of frying dough and popcorn. Music tumbles from the speakers on the rides, mingling with calls from workers in game booths. This place has a darkness. It slithers in the shadows. This carnival shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. Stilt men preside over the festivities, lumbering up and down the thoroughfares between rows of games and rides. They are dressed in pasty shades of white, and they wear skull versions of Plague Doctor masks. Their hands are bound behind their backs with black rope, so that as they walk, they appear to ponder the goings-on in the realm of small mortals below. The idea that they aren't human takes hold and unsettles me. I fear their jackets are nothing more than fine satin coverings for yet more shadows, older and more sentient things than the ones at ground level. Oh my god, she looks just like you! Lindsay pulls me from the slow current of the crowd to stand at the foot of a painted canvas sign. With her long dark hair and dark eyes, the girl in the picture does look like me. She holds a Japanese folding fan decorated with a serpent and flowers. Also pictured is a second fan, which she has thrown toward a man in order to decapitate him. His expression is one of shock, of course. No one expects to lose their head to a fan. According to the sign, her name is Demetria. Demetria could be my twin. No, not twin. A better word comes to mind. Doppelganger, if you see yours, you die. That's what the stories say. I've drawn her face a thousand times. I thought it was mine. Self-portrait after self-portrait, as if I were at the mercy of some obsessive-compulsive, narcissistic urge. Looking up at her, leering down on me, her coy grin. I realize that I have not been drawing myself. We have to see her, Lindsay says. Interrupting my thoughts, but according to the sign, Demetria will not perform tonight. I am thankful, until Lindsay leads me around the side of the tent. Where are we going? I ask. You have to see her. She might be your long-lost twin or something. Not twin. I don't want to. I stop walking and pull away from her grasp. We should leave. No way, we just got here. I feel someone watching me and I turn to find one of the stilt men standing across the thoroughfare, staring at me over the crowd between us. The eyes of the mask are dead and dark against the pale. Here she is, Lindsay whispers. She stands at a break in the tent, where she has pulled back a small flap. Stop it, I hiss, afraid the stilt man will see us. I try to tug her away, but she refuses to budge. With the hope that she'll move on more quickly if I cooperate, I hazard a glance. Demetria sits at a vanity, a white shirt hanging loose on her shoulders. Her fingers are in her hair, uncoiling rollers. I thank God I can't see her face. A big hand wrenches the flap from Lindsay's hand and shoves her into me. A burly carnival worker in filthy coveralls plants himself between us and the tent despite the sour reek of alcohol on his breath. I want to hug him. What do you think you're doing? This ain't no peep show, he says in a voice that is nearly a growl. Lindsay giggles. Geez, sorry. Inside the tent, Demetria's muffled voice says, I told you no. I won't do it. Don't touch me. Is she all right? I ask. The man takes a threatening step toward us, and we flee back to the safety of the throng. The stilt man has vanished, but I see others of his ilk. I see their heads over tents and game stalls, bobbing slowly as they make their laps. Lindsay wants to play the milk bottle game. She pays the woman in the stall, but the stranger's eyes are locked on me. Others glare at me, too. I can feel them all around. Customers, workers, the riders of the Ferris wheel behind us. They trigger a headache that corrupts the music and twists the smell of food to one that is somehow both rotting and burning. Mosquitoes swarm in a cloud over too many bodies moving too close together. If my friend and I don't move in the next few seconds, we're going to be a bug buffet. I scratch what I hope is a trickle of sweat on my neck. I want to leave, I tell Lindsay over my shoulder. It's too crowded. I haven't even ridden anything yet. What's your deal? From where we stand, I can peer between the milk bottle booth and a dart balloon booth to the next aisle over where the crowd is just as dense. Someone pushes through. A woman. A woman with dark hair and a white shirt. Demetria. She is out in the world and running, terrified of whoever, whatever is chasing her. As quick as she came, She is gone, the crowd closing the path behind her. I wonder what will happen when she reaches the end of the row. Will she turn and come this way? I have to go. I tell my friend who is still playing the world's slowest milk bottle game. This time, I don't wait for her to respond. I walk away, pushing into the crowd with almost as much desperation as my dark twin, heading the direction that leads away from her bodies resist some of them push back try to block me but i will not be denied demetria and i must never meet i break through the edge of the crowd trip and fall to the dirt scraping my palms i scramble to my feet and when i turn i am alone i wheel around in a circle heart thudding heavily all has gone silent except the discordant music in the ripple of canvas in a breeze All I can think is that if she's still here, there is no one between us. I am utterly exposed to whatever horror our meeting will bring. Then I see them. They emerge from behind the rows of stalls on either side of me, moving through gaps, wading through pools of shadow. They gather in the thoroughfare, first a few, then several, then ten, twenty. They form a wall, a flock of pale, expressionless monsters. I try to blink them away. I pretend that I am dreaming. With my eyes shut tight, I pray they aren't real. I'll be okay, as long as they aren't real. Not real. Not real. I whisper. I clench my fists at my sides and reject the feeling they are watching me. All is quiet. I open my eyes. As if on command, they lurch into motion. They tilt forward, and on those absurdly long, rigid legs, they run. A sound like a hundred planks of wood clacking together closes in behind me. I turn left to duck into a gap between stalls, only to find it packed with angry carnival-goers. They scream, a wave of sound that stops me cold. From my left... A body slams into me, pushes me sideways into a red wooden wall. His rough hands swivel me to face him and then go to my neck, squeezing as he bares his teeth. It is the man from Demetria's tent. Hatred radiates from him in a raging heat. Alcohol vapor stifles what little air I can draw. He turns his head, and I turn to look with him. The stilt men have assembled, Just outside the gap, a forest of long legs, they are waiting. The man releases me, shoving me toward them and giving me a malevolent grin. He waves me on, prompting me to hurry. A horde of people fills the space between the stalls, crawling on top of each other, trampling, crushing, clawing like the damned trying to escape hell. They force me into the midst of stilt legs, where I am grabbed by black claws. Their hands no longer bound behind their backs, the stilt men are bent. Blank bird skull faces hovering too close, and I can hear heavy breathing all around. They snatch and pull, tear my sleeve and steal slivers of my skin, and I become lost in the thick. I turn and push until I fall through a gap in their legs. Then I'm running again, faster and faster. Music from the rides slurs and distorts, becoming a demon in its own right. It pursues me the way the stilt men do, closing in, assailing my ears with a sound that threatens to tip me over the edge into blind panic. To my left, in the next aisle, my doppelganger keeps pace with me. Her dark hair flying out behind her, as she flees from whatever monsters chase her. Are they carbon copies of mine? Ahead, the path curves to the right, away from hers, and if I had breath to spare, I would have cried out with relief. I pump my legs so hard, I barely feel them anymore. And I whip around the curve, and impossibly, there she is, standing still as if she has been waiting for me. Demetria is just as frightened as I am, if not more. Her eyes widen. Her hand goes to her mouth. Fate, the universe, death, they have all conspired to drive us together. We are a morbid form of amusement for them all. As the stars begin to drop from the sky, I give myself over to the light, and then the darkness that carries me away from it. When I wake in the morning, I am not entirely surprised to find that my reflection in the mirror has changed. I wear a new face of a new girl, and no one seems to notice. Neither am I surprised to see the news article about a death at the carnival. There will be others. I know that now. The strange hunger that has taken hold will not be denied. The End Thank you for listening to the Dark Dreams and Troubled Souls podcast. If you'd like to help a girl out, please rate and review the podcast. Additionally, more fiction is on the way, so be sure to subscribe if you'd like to get in on that. The series is also available in ebook form on Amazon. My website and blog can be found at www.learyan.com. See you next time.